Welcome to another episode of Adding Context, a podcast of compelling conversations centered on advancing and enhancing the human experience. I am your host, Michael Bollins. Welcome back to another episode of Adding Context. Today I'm speaking to Justin Hanlon and Austin Sargent. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Austin, would you like to go first? Wow, okay, I have to go first. I see how it is. You go first in the main show, but I go first on this show. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Austin. Uh, I'm a co-host at Critic Academy. I've been playing D&D for, I don't know, however long Justin allows me to play. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I play video games a lot, and I play D&D a lot. That's all I got. I'm boring. <laughs> okay. Um, my name is Justin Hamlin. Uh, I am the host of the Crit Academy Dungeons and Dragons discussion podcast. Um, I'm also a best-selling D&D content author, writer, the whole shebang. Because apparently, talking about D&D for an hour every week straight isn't enough. Um, I had to write about it and try to start a business around it. Um, so that's kind of where we're at right now. <laughs> awesome. Well, I I found you guys. Um, I actually stumbled upon your podcast, uh, the episode that you guys talked about the most versatile classes, mm-hmm. and I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is this is something that's pretty awesome. And uh, before we kind of dive really into what you guys do, what was your attraction to D and D? Because there's a lot of things that I think people misunderstand or don't understand about the benefits of Dungeons and Dragons. So I wanted to kind of get an idea of what your thoughts were and what kind of drew you to the game. Well, I can't speak for Ian, but honestly, my friend needed another player, and apparently I just am free all the time when I was a kid. So he's like, hey, we're doing this thing. We all get together, and we hide in the basement and tell stories. I'm like, that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, I got introduced to it, and honestly, the first night wasn't super exciting for me. I almost didn't go back because it was just character creation. And I'm going to be honest, if you don't know what you're doing, it's not fun (laughs) at all. Um, But they did bring me back, and that was back in 3.0, I believe. I cannot remember. I think it's 3.0. We were just in that transition where my friends were changing from 3.0 to 3.5. But um, that's where I really got into it. And turns out telling a story is just as good, if not more interesting, than reading a book. Um, And so I naturally gravitated towards that. Yeah. Uh, my so it's actually funny because me and Justin met because of a, a mutual of ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Ryan <laughs> from. Oh God, six years ago. <laughs> yeah, he used to actually. He was my first co-host on the show. Yeah, he was a real chill guy. Uh, he kind of introduced me. He was like, "Hey, man, you want to play D D?" And I was like, "Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm in. Sure. I'm I'm down to try new things. I was in college and." You know, trying new things is is the wave when you're in college. Um, <laughs> we tried different <laughs> things in college. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I remember I created a character. It was like a tiefling warlock, and he just immediately got crit by, like, some hobgoblin or something and died. It was great. Oh. Phenomenal time. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It was a my, good time. Uh, oh, that's good. I mean, at least you had a good time, and it brought you back. My, oh, yeah, my yeah. original introduction was late... 80s to, to age myself a little bit there and <laughs> it was really just dabbling with the original books mm-hmm. and not really having much of a clue and then i really got into it probably it was 12 to 14 with uh second edition yep and then i laid off it for years up until probably about four or five years ago where i picked it back up again and i have to say i i think i really like the mechanics of 5e i think it, it makes things a little easier for newer players and the homebrewing is just a whole nother element which kind of jumps into what you do oh yeah for sure um that's actually one thing i think uh, i i actually played heavily in fourth edition which was gets a lot of flack but one thing that uh i really thought that fifth edition did right was appealed to the people that didn't have the the um time to learn the complexity of some of the other editions. And I think that's also why it became so popular because it no longer had this ridiculous barrier of entry 
that yeah. the the rules create. It's here. You sit down. You pick your your race, your your class, and your background, and you play. And the right. dungeon master basically can make every ruling based on you gain advantage, you gain disadvantage, and that's pretty much all you need to know to have a good time. Obviously, there's more to it than that, but I think that that yeah. core, um, that core that they did with the five E's like advantage system in rule set, really has made D and D more popular than it ever has been. Um, because I, it's easy. I had a com- yeah, I had a conversation with somebody a while back. Uh, you know, we were kind of throwing around old school terms like Thacko and, <laughs> and stuff like that. And it was just kind of like a, a real big system shock for me. <laughs> I haven't used that term or, or even thought about how to calculate that in about 30 years. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, kind of touching back on the original thing that I was going for is people don't understand if, you, if they don't play and they don't watch the game or, or even pay any minute attention to the game they don't understand the benefits on a personal level and and working with other people that you can get from playing D&D between problem solving and critical thinking Mm -hmm. Um, how do you intertwine all those things with what you guys do um so when it comes to the so it's funny you mentioned problem solving because that's literally my day job. <laughs> uh, I, am a, yeah, I do root is. cause analysis uh, and I do statistical engineering. So for me, all of Big that kind of just comes together in D&D because fit solving problems, whether it's morally or if it's um, – just going to save the princess that's been taken by the big evil spiky back turtle monster. Um, <laughs> those, the tools that you need to get there often expand the mind of the people involved. Um, you mentioned uh, problem solving. I mean, there's a lot that goes into the problem solving aspect of D and D beyond just uh, like typical puzzles. Like uh, one thing that really drew me to the 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 D and D world's problems is some of the things that are related to people interactions and the problems that are generated by those. So one thing I've learned, especially, so I uh, I was running D and D at my my church for the my students, my uh, Sunday school students, and I got to kind of watch as they started trying to apply different reasonings to dealing with people in a make-believe situation that would benefit them later on. For instance, um, they were, one of the first monsters I sent them up against was a person that got turned into a monster. And they knew this person. This person was good, but now they're not. So I actually got to watch these 10-year-old kids sit and debate about the morality of dealing with slaying a monster who isn't a monster by choice. And right. so that created a unique problem and a unique situation that I don't think any other game really can capture well. Though I would argue, argue, argue Fable came pretty damn close in the first Fable. Um, <laughs> but Yeah, there was definitely a few instances in those games where you were, they, they tried to tussle around with morality and, mm-hmm. and whatnot, for yeah. sure. And beyond that, Sorry. there's also... No, you're fine. And beyond that, there's also the record-keeping. Um, something that D and D kind of requires is you to be somewhat organized, which is hilarious because outside of D and D, I'm not, um, <laughs> at all, but, um, likewise using that to help keep the kids, uh, organized and helping them build reading comprehension. Um, so D and D has so many powerful platforms that can help the, help people in general, I guess, whether it's um, socially or through basic problem solving skills of setting up the physical, you know, little boxes that people can solve. Um, Right. I don't even know if I actually answer your question because I got into a whole tangent there. But I I, I love that tangent. I I agree in it. (laughs) (laughs) But I do that. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, you're fine. You're fine. I was just letting you go at it, man. I mean, I understand. Um I think what D&D can offer that not a lot of uh, other mediums, I guess, can offer, right, is uh, the idea that you can kind of base yourselves in these 
while these are like fantastical worlds, these problems can feel very real, right? Mm -hmm. So like, for instance, you mentioned like the, the social aspect. Well, uh, you don't suddenly become, you know, a social wizard just because your charisma score on a piece of paper is high. You still <laughs> right? have to talk and be the face of the group. It's not easy, and it's it's hard to 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 role play for I'm sure a lot of people. And right. but for some people, it might come even more naturally because they don't have to be, I guess, like. They, they can be like an exaggerated version of themselves because players ultimately when they create characters I feel like they also kind of create these uh, hyper idealized maybe even like extremely exaggerated selves and that's fine I mean all for it I mean as long as it's you're, dri you're deriving inspiration from somewhere and you're having fun who cares right I mean that's kind of right. the fun part of, about D&D you're there to have fun I would hope <laughs> but um like you still like are running into these like social cues that like you that uh, the the players and the DM are kind of creating, and that there are these rules and laws that are still set, and that um, sometimes the the question does come up: Should I not not saying like in a mechanical way, but should I break the rules of this world, and is that okay for me to do? And there's still a form of battle or something that I'm assuming has to go on during that, where I guess some characters who are the, or some players who are just motor hobos, I guess, well, they probably don't <laughs> care. But the, the, I'm, I'm speaking from players who actively invest into the game and are willing to actively participate in the world that they are a part of. Right. Rather right. than just the players who are, oh, ha ha, here's my character stat sheet that I got back from the garbage bin and uh, I'm going to use it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's there's a lot of things that personally develop can come out of personal development that can come out of it. Um, yeah, you know, conflict conflict resolution is a big thing as you were kind of touching on a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. improvisation is a big thing. You know, like you also pointed out, you know, the ability to kind of expand on some interpersonal traits that maybe you're not comfortable with being outside in the real world, so to speak, and going mm -hmm, into this sure. fantasy realm. It allows people to to breathe and and to to experience things that they probably wouldn't experience and, and act in a certain way that they normally wouldn't do. I think actually, uh, you like the way you said that. I think we even said something extremely similar, if not the exact same way, when we talked with the dungeon dudes. I'm almost uh -huh. positive, like yeah. that was like the exact phrase. conversation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. It's very like because it, it is right. Like that is just how the game is. You can experience these things that you wouldn't normally be able to experience otherwise. Yeah. and I think that's why D and uh, D in particular is so good at that because it's so. The rules in some areas are so freeform that you can kind of just roll with it. Un ah. un not intended. <laughs> uh, but you can kind of like... Because I, I didn't play the previous edition, so I started in 5e. But from what I gather of what I know from my limited knowledge of the previous editions, roleplay is pretty... Uh, it, it's like heavily... Like, it's... It's like accented in this game because there's there's a lot more you can focus on the role play aspects of these characters and like with their backgrounds and whatnot rather yeah, than like right. previous editions you're more focused on like the combat and the skills you gain and whatnot. Yeah, I think From the backgrounds really helped with that quite a bit too because um, it took, uh, when the backgrounds first came out I was just like well this says your character is more than just a paladin your character mm -hmm. was also a sage who studied you know the arcane arts or your character was a hermit who lived in the forest or, and so it kind of gave players who didn't usually focus on that stuff, kind of a, 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 a railway that was there, even if they chose not to use it, which isn't wrong, but it gave more, it gave more meat to the characters, I guess. But it uh, adds nuance, I think. Yeah. To, to the characters. Mm -hmm. there you go. A little more one. guidance towards, you know, like you were pointing out a lot of times when I started, it was just, you know, all your stats and go kill things and, and i think now yep. <laughs> it adds more to that personal creativity that, that those extra personal touches that the person can really dive into it and yeah. i think if you look at the different um, 
mediums of which people are playing D&D, whether we're talking about Critical Role or the vast other shows that are podcasts and people recording themselves play. There's everybody brings their own little bit to it. And yep. they kind of the role playing is is flexible. You can be very staunch or you can be very charismatic and very, very active. I, I want to kind of jump back for a second. You said you, you played D&D at a church, right? Yes. So <laughs> me growing up, the big thing was, oh, my God, you can't play Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm kind of echoing my hear my mother's voice in the back of my yep, head. Me too. You can't play D&D because grandma, it's satanic and you're going to go to hell. And so right. I, I just thought it was comical that you were playing D&D. So, <laughs> yeah. So church. actually, it's funny you mentioned that because the the idea was actually my pastor's. He challenged really? me. He said, hey, Justin, I think that the, the kids are having so much fun playing games and stuff with you. I challenge you to write a book that can fit within the, 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 the church's mythology. So I wrote called The Living Testament, which is it replaced like the wizard with like alchemy. And so instead of it being a fireball, you're throwing a, a glass that ex- releases n- napalm. And, you know, instead of a cleric, it's a disciple of God and all these things. So I was able to take the fifth edition rule set and apply it to the world of my faith to a point that the kids remembered the stories so much better than when they're sitting in church. Um, like it was, was more interactive that way. Well, yeah. Oh, and they for learned sure. to hate. So the, one of the very first ones I ran was around, <laughs> I'm going to get on a tangent for a second. One of the first ones I ran was around Christmas time because you know, baby Jesus and all that. So I put them as the guardian of guardians of the wise men and they're fighting off bandits and wild animals and stuff. And then they have to go and meet with Herod or Herod. My wife always yells because I say it wrong. Herod. And I got to play him as the shittiest human being on the planet. And all the kids hated his guts. They wanted him dead. They were talking about poisoning him. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. <laughs> and they had never been more engrossed in the stories then uh, than they were at those those games that I ran. So that just shows you how what a powerful tool role-play games can be. Because it yeah. takes you from being a bystander to being the character in the story. And that became such a... It's too bad the, the pandemic ruined all of that. Because I'd been doing it for a while. I haven't been in the, the classroom <laughs> since the pandemic started. But it was uh, it was a it was cool. Because I grew up... I got told I couldn't play D&D by my grandma. Can't play D&D. It's the devil's work. So I went and played Rifts, which was essentially <laughs> D&D. Just not called that. <laughs> so, uh, sorry. That was a long-ass tangent. Uh, I, yeah, it's very comical when you consider the satanic panic. Yeah. It, <laughs> like I said, it, I, I found it completely comical that you played it in church. My, I, I found out um, the librarian at my son's middle school was running an after-school program for D&D. It was introducing kids to D&D, and I thought that was phenomenal. That's I, awesome. I thought it was an amazing idea. Mm-hmm. Um so I kind of popped in because at the time I was coaching wrestling. So I popped in before practice. I'm like, just by the, just so you know, I think it's amazing what you're doing, and and I hope that you, you know, it, it just explodes and goes well for you. Um, I think they even had a little picture for their yearbook. I don't think they called the D and D club, but it was I think after school gaming. Uh, <laughs> Probably because, you know, the, there's unfortunately still that satanic panic that goes yeah. around it. And, there's some and crazy old that... people out there. There's, I think uh, <laughs> D&D also has this, maybe not so much anymore because it's so popular now, but there's also this, like, weird stigma that, like, D&D is, like, strictly for, like, nerds or something. And, like, say being, like, nerd in, like, a derogatory way, which yes. is, like, for right. me, like, a nerd nowadays, it's, like, I mean, you're just someone who, like, has a really cool hobby, I imagine, that deals with technology or games or something. Like, cool, dude, I'm... That, I'm, that's great. I can relate to you now. <laughs> it's but. funny you bring that up because I was looking at names of, of you know famous people that, that play, and you mm. know, obviously one of the big ones, at least the people that are in the D and D community would know, is is uh, Joe Magnanello, mm-hmm. and you know he's part of the co-founder, so to speak, of you know <laughs> uh, jo- what is it, Jocks uh, Macana, mm-hmm. and the things that he's done. For you know, kids at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, I believe it was, um, you know, exposing them and, and giving those kids who were 
really going through some really horrific things, an outlet and, and a way to remove themselves from their situation temporarily. Um, yeah. you know, there's tons of other actors that are they're in lots I of think creative like types. Vin Diesel was. <laughs> yep. I I think I don't know. I watched him do his little D and D thing, and I wasn't. I, I didn't get the vibe that he's really played too too much. Yeah. Well, mm. it could be one of those things. And this is what I thought when I watched. I assume you're talking about the D and Diesel. Um, yeah. When I watched him play, I felt like he was into it, but he probably hadn't had played the new stuff. And I feel like that's kind of where some of that hesitation had come from. Uh, Got it. But it was. Uh, I definitely kind of know what you're saying there, but I mean, he's got his character tattooed on his stomach, so that's got to say something, I guess. I or so he claims. I didn't know that. Yeah, his <laughs> yeah, ta- say, tattooed I, right I, across I his stomach. That. It's Mel- Melchior or Melkar I'm, or something. I'm. It wasn't like the Chronicles of Riddick like influenced in some way by his D and D character or something. I, I feel like I read. that. I feel like I read that, but I, that, but I can't. I can't, I can't uh, confirm okay. or deny. <laughs> okay, as long as I'm not like alone in that, and I'm just some crackhead speaking nonsense. <laughs> well. <laughs> Oh <laughs> well, yeah, well, and then, uh, then again, I've played in some campaigns with you, so maybe, maybe I am. Yeah, but uh, a couple but, of names that uh, that I was surprised with: um, Tim Duncan, the the former NBA player, mm-hmm. is apparently a, a huge D and D player. Which I saw that name on the list. I'm like, really? And apparently, he's he's big into it. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of people who uh, are, I oh, mean, yeah, it's wow. becoming more of a, it's becoming more accepted. So people who wouldn't have said anything about it previously yeah, w- are willing to now. Um, and there's a lot of people out there. Have you seen, uh, I'm sure you've seen uh, Iron Man, right? The guy that yeah. did the that Tom director. Favreau. Yeah, he's, he's a John huge D&D, D&D nerder, you know? You know, it kind of makes sense that they're all kind of coming out now because if we going back to our previous conversation with the whole like, you know satanic panic and whatnot, like they might not have had really like a real chance to say that they were yeah. playing. You know what I mean? Right. In or fear so. of being you know shunned or or you know losing opportunities to get them where they are. I, I agree. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited to see the explosion that that's happened because I get to geek out a little bit more than <laughs> yeah. I mean, my former life. As a police officer, I, I kind of the guys I worked with would bust my balls a little bit, and you know when I mentioned just briefly that I had played D and D in the past, um, I, I got my balls busted about you know where's your wizard hat and go go you know, go throw your dice and this that and the other thing. It it was yeah. uh, make you feel I'm, like shit. I'm loving it. I I laughed it off, and I'm like, you know, if you guys had half the clue of of what that's done for me and, yeah. and what it does for a lot of people. Um, yeah, like, you know, you see the usual suspects, you know, the, these insanely creative types, you know, the, the showrunners for Game of Thrones who are big players, the guy mm-hmm. uh, from Rick and Morty. Um, I, I'm just loving the, the explosion of, it's almost in your face to a degree, but not so much. It's just everywhere yeah. you look, something related to D&D is coming out. Oh, for sure. Um, and I, I, I really feel like, Critical Role is really very responsible for it becoming more mainstream. I think they were absolutely the catalyst for everything that kind of transpired now. Yeah, I I agree. That combined (laughs) with the rule set being easier to understand meant other people could get into it without having to, you know, read 200 pages. Because let's be honest, a lot of people don't like to read. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> agreed so, yeah, and, yeah. and yeah it's more inviting like you said it's it's easier to digest you can break it up and you can kind of learn a little easier as you go along mm-hmm. um and i do think of that with the way 5e is written um a lot of it does rely on the the dm i mean if, if you don't have a good dm it does yep it, it can really ruin the experience for people so uh, you know mm-hmm. having somebody like matt mercer be the introduction for a lot of people the way, and, and that's the other, I guess there's a downside to having there's, That's a double-edged sword, right? It is. He's so immersive. You know, his characters, every single NPC that his characters come across are is absolutely unique. So it's a little daunting for, for people like me who are trying to introduce people and trying to be a good DM. So. And their expectation <laughs> yeah. is very, very high. Because, yes. I mean, people who don't know, Matt Mercer is a professional voice actor. Which means he yes. can change his persona on a dime, 
and that's not a skill that a lot of people have. Um, I have a player at my table who absolutely loves that show, and I've seen him challenge me a couple times because of it. Well, um, right. mm-hmm. Matt does it this well. Who I don't care. I'm not Matt. It's my table. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's yeah. my table. Yeah, but it's a. I think we even all coined the term. I think it's a, a popular term now. It's called the Matt Mercer effect. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like it's an actual thing that it's just a, a term that's being thrown around because it's like, well, on one hand, yes, he made D and D what it is today. However, uh, now everyone has these very high expectations of what it is, and so it's, it's very. As we've all said already, it's it's clearly not that simple. As yeah, I, as I think, go ahead. Good. As, Sorry. Go ahead. As, as Michael, as you had said, is it Mike, 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 Mike or Michael? Yeah, either were. Okay. So as Mike had pointed out, um, yeah, me too. Usually they're not related to my name. Uh, Agreed. So, <laughs> so you had mentioned that uh, you know there's a lot of variety in dungeon masters, and one thing yeah, I like to kind of compare that to is. Well, some DMs are good and some DMs are great. Well, some directors are great and some directors are shit. Some actors are great. Some actors are shit. You're going to find that in any medium of entertainment that you go to. Agreed. You have to find what works for you and then stick with it. If you get to a table that's not for you, don't be afraid to say, you know what? It's not my my type of game. You guys keep having a good time. I'm out of here here but some people end up getting stuck in those situations because they're afraid to say i don't want to be here um and nobody would nobody would do that in a movie i've walked out of movies before you know it's like get the hell out of here ain't worth my time you know Um, right but for all the challenges that DD provides (laughs) challenges um (laughs) to the the entryway has never been wider you right. can throw yep. a pencil down this hallway now and find somebody that's willing to play. Now, whether they're willing to run a game, that seems to be a whole other challenge. But yes, um, <laughs> overall, I think that it has led to the 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 the, the breakout of D and D becoming so popular. I feel like it's led to a lot more creative content and a lot more people being successful in areas that they may not have otherwise been. I'm a perfect right. example. We started off as a podcast because we just wanted to talk about D&D. And honestly, we didn't care if anybody listened. But we figured, well, if we're going to start, we might as well kind of talk about what D&D is first before we, we get into what we're, why we're talking about it. But it kind of evolved from there because one thing that D&D does very well is a lot brings people together. And through the right. show, I've been able, we're able to meet Mike here. Um, we've met a lot of different people that has allowed us to become you know, best-selling you know, content creators and writers. Writing, I flunked out of school when it came to writing. You know how horrible I am at writing? But you know what I learned? All I got to do is get my idea on paper. There's an editor for that. <laughs> a good editor, editor is worth every bit, you know? And right. So for sure. For sure. And my creations wouldn't have existed if had I not got into the, the world of D&D. So since you brought that up, your Crit Academy has a number of facets to it. Um, one of it is the podcast. Uh, another component is being content creators. What's that process like? Hard. <laughs> uh, grueling <laughs> for our, my man Justin here. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm very fortunate that my players, such as Austin, are happy to let me toss things at the table for them to play with. Um, mm. Because oh yeah, dude, throw any playtest content at me. I'll I'll run it nonstop. <laughs> when find ways to break it. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, and I do challenge them to do that because uh, you need Sometimes to know. Sometimes it's easier said than done. Yeah, but I do I a mean, pretty good a... job not to toot my own horn. Toot, toot. <laughs> I mean, there was the time when we messed with some aura effects, and that definitely went. Uh, yeah, you, very you broke it. Um, well, I, that's lessons I learned, right? Immediately. But that's how you fix it. <laughs> so yes, break it until you fix it until you can't break it anymore. The journey exactly. for the exactly. the writing, um, it really started when I had a guest on my show, and I asked him, much like you're asking me, "Hey, so how did you get into this?" He's like, "Well, I found this website. People were selling content. I picked one up, and I said, eh, I can write at least this good.'" <laughs> I'm going to give it a shot. And that's how Fair Jeff enough. Stevens games got started. You know, he's single-handedly mm-hmm. one of the most popular content creators on the DMs guild. And he puts out amazing content. It all started with, eh, I can do at least this good. And so I never forgot that because 
it occurred to me, I was like, I can do some of this. Um, so mm-hmm. I began challenging myself and uh, asking my, my, my players and my co-hosts, you know, what do you think about this? I think this would be a cool idea. And then everything just kind of free flowed from there. It started with, uh, I started small because I'm a DM, so I was already writing stories, but my stuff, not structured. My idea of a D&D plot is here's five bullet points. Here's where they start. This is where the final boss is hiding. I don't know really what's going to go on between. Here's kind of the hook, and here's kind of mm-hmm. what the guy's doing, the motivations. I kind of just turn the players loose, and then I fill it out as I go. That is not how right. adventures are generally done. <laughs> um, so for me, it was a turn upside down to be able to try to format it in a way that was deliverable. So right. Luckily, my players were there to kind of uh, support me in that journey as well. The co-hosts were able to kind of give their feedback. When I would post something like, hey, what do you think about this? Um, uh, Ian specifically and, 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 and Austin, you, you came on more recent. So, But there was a yeah. lot of, hey, uh, you can't do that because if you do that, it's going to cause this. And if it causes this, it's going to cause this. And then why would anybody ever pick this because this is so powerful? And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> so there's there's definitely some moments where we, we run into those problems too, right? Where yeah. it's like, this sounds really fun on paper, but how do we? Because like that's something that I struggle with, and uh, mm-hmm. like uh, we're we're making something as we speak, but the uh, chrono breaker, we, the chrono yeah. breaker, which I'm very excited about. Like, there's already some stuff where we're like, okay, I have this idea, and I like this idea. We both like this idea, but the problem is for me. How in God's name do I try and structure this thing to make it like you can use it appropriately? Which I thought was really cool because you said that uh, why not just use multiple of these resource dice? And I was like, that. Why didn't I think of that? Like yeah. that's brilliant for me because like now <laughs> you have reason to use a more powerful resource, and it's just stuff like that where it's like I can't believe. Now I know. Now I can use that for later should I ever need to. When it comes to developing, the one thing that has really made it better and easier is to go line by line for similar uh, products and mm-hmm. say, okay, what do they have all in common? Okay. For this feature for at every level three, every class gets a, a subclass, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. No, well, that's not true. No. I mean, the, <laughs> I the wizard, I starts at, wizard gets it at two, two. Druid gets it at two and Claret gets it at one. So the yeah, question is, why are they different than all the rest of them? So those are the sorts Balance. of things that you got to kind of kind of keep in mind when you're developing stuff. Okay, all the fighter classes that have been released, at 7th level they get some sort of utility ability in most cases. Yep. So I'm not going to give them another brute force ability there. You're going right. to give them a utility because that's kind of the standard. Um, right. And that buying all the different products has actually made me a better content creator because I can basically just line everything up and say, okay, my first feature needs to include a core action. They'll do a lot. And then something that's some sort of proficiency or something only they can do. And you kind of stem and build from that when it comes to character building with adventures. That's actually the easiest thing to do. Uh, I don't know if you've seen any of the, the five E adventure modules that have been written, but they're basically written room by room, kind of. And yeah. they only give you details for the important stuff. So, And it's open in a way that the DM can digest it and then regurgitate it and add on to it if they want. And it's really actually pretty easy. You just got to start. I think the, the upside to that format of room by room is it allows things to breathe. It allows for a lot more interaction and flexibility with yep. how it's being played at the table because I can guarantee that the way my group would go through a dungeon and the way your group could go through a dungeon and the way another group would go through a dungeon, every single time that's played, it's going to be something different. Yes. Because somebody yep. – if and that's that's the thing I absolutely love about D&D is it allows for that creativity, that somebody's different perspective to influence the outcome of the game. Right, right. Or the situation, so to speak. And – I don't know how Austin feels about this, but I know one of the my favorite parts, I give one of my players a lot of flack for the banishment spell because <laughs> one time I ha- I set up a badass midair dragon rider battle, and then he just banished the dragon, 
And then the rider fell to his death. Well, I was like, well, what the hell am I going to do with that now? <laughs> and in my mind, I'm cheering for him. I'm like, that was awesome. That was so epic. Wonderful job. And then at the table, I'm like, oh, bastard, you destroyed my dragon. Whatever. Right, and, right. And those experiences, I think, make me a better dungeon master and they make me a better Absolutely. content writer. Yeah, because you have to figure out how to change things on the fly when when yes. the ingenuity of a of a player does something so insanely unexpected, <laughs> you've got to figure out how to flip that on a dime and go, oh well, I kind of foresaw that, so here's how we're gonna go with that. Yeah, Austin, he got more use out of grappling hook and five E than I have ever seen. Might as well have been Batman because I had yeah, not I seen anybody believe. use a grappling hook nearly that much. I, I, I saw there was a comment. How many he? He gave me how much leeway he gave that to me. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I saw that that was listed somewhere. You were referred to. There was some reference about the grappling hook. Can you elaborate <laughs> on a few of those? Because I'm, oh, I'm really God. curious to hear about this. Do you want to touch oh, on okay. it, Austin? Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll throw some. Well, some let, let's some start fun with story times, what does the grappling hook slash rope supposed okay. to do mechanically? Okay, yeah. So we'll we'll start with that because the grappling hook is a one sentence thing. It says. You have advantage on climbing checks. Great. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Fan fantastic. It is the most mundane, useless tool in the game because many people could just fly or run up walls, and it's, it's totally dumb. But I'm like, but it's a grappling hook. You could do so much more with a grappling hook. You could tie people up with the. I'm pretty sure I've done that before. I think I have tied somebody up with a grappling hook. But yeah. <laughs> so Life. okay. The the first thing I I did with the <laughs> stupid grappling hook, and I can't believe to this day Justin let me do it. I, I, for I'm a benevolent DM. What can I say? Every once in a while, you sure are. <laughs> you let some <laughs> crazy shit happen. Well, I didn't know you were um, gonna run with it for the rest of the entire Storm King's Thunder campaign. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> but you kept letting it. Anyways, let's get everyone else in on the joke. Right, right. So he's okay. rewarding ingenuity. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> uh, so, um, me and uh, Brandon, we were uh, there was this hill giant, a, a bunch of them. They were running after us, and we're in like the middle of these like snowy mountainy area. And we find a little crevice, and we're like, "Oh, well, this crevice should keep us here." Well, apparently, there's spiders further down that we had not realized yet, so we had to run back out, which leads to the giant. So we had to make a decision: uh, run to the giants or run to the spiders. Well, the spiders have webs, so we said, "Well, we have probably better luck with the." Giants. <laughs> uh well he, uh Justin loves grappling in D&D 5e like Amazing. absolutely so he grabs Brandon and he's just about ready to throw him into a wall and I'm like well I don't want to jump out there so can I like fish him out with my grappling hook or something <laughs> and he Justin just kind of gave me this deadpan stare for about like 10 seconds and he's like sure but it's gonna be at disadvantage because you're in a crevice and you gotta try and you know get a good angle on it and i'm like all right yeah whatever yeah, sure well lo and behold apparently i rolled high enough for, against the ogre's grappling check or sorry uh fucking giant's grappling check and i yoinked brandon out of the, the, the fucking the the giant's hand he's like we just ran back into the crevice we're like well we're here now <laughs> He went player what fishing. <laughs> and I did. The thing you did that really uh, made it more uh, most memorable for me was there was a scene um, in the Storm King's Thunders. There's this giant, basically destruction machine that they're trying to put together, and I made it take <laughs> the form of like of a, a giant, almost like a, a Gundam type thing. And it's only half yep. built. It's hanging in the fire, uh, the, the 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 fire giant's lair, and it's <laughs> hanging out over this crevice, like you would expect some sort of giant robot type thing to do. So this guy just slings. He's like. All right, well, I got to disengage this thing because it's shooting lasers out of its eyes at us. So he swings his grappling hook, and he's swinging back and forth over this crevice trying to disable this thing while it's blowing up everybody else. And I'm just like, yep, okay, there's that grappling hook again. And it just, the entire campaign, it went on and on and on. Oh, I need to hide away from this giant. I want to throw my grappling hook on the bottom of the table and shimmy up it and 
hold up to the top of the, the, the bottom of the underside of the table so they can't yep. see me. <laughs> I remember that. So, and it just, the entire campaign, just, if he could find, I feel like you were actively trying to find ways to use your grappling hook at that point. So, <laughs> I that, mean, that's what but, makes the D&D so great, though. The ingenuity. Admittedly. I was a rogue, so my options were either trying to brawl out with this thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I had caltrops too. I was I was trying to be a ninja about everything, and it kind of worked for the most part. But that giant almost, you know, saw me, and that almost did not go well in my favor. My first character that I absolutely fell in love with when I played was a gnome thief illusionist, oh, going back to yes. to AD. And awesome. he he met his death by being pummeled by a stone golem after he had <laughs> lost all of his intelligence because he tried <gasps> fornicating with the goddess. <laughs> oh no! He was left stupefied. That's awesome. Intensely, and he just he just walked into this thing. He he didn't have the intelligence to walk away from being pummeled, and it just literally pummeled into mush. Oh my So does goodness. that make him a stupid fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearly. I think that was I think that was the the, the big punchline that night. See, oh, wow! But that creates such a memorable moment in in for you to be able to relive and recall and share. And that when it comes mm-hmm. to D anD D, that's what it's all about: is creating memorable really moments is. with your friends, whether it's over yeah. some beer, some wine, some brat, some Kool Aid, however old you are. You can mm-hmm. always have a wonderful experience, and right. storytelling has is is older than any form of writing, you know. Yeah, and yeah. there's a reason for that. There's a reason why there used to be minstrels and bards that would travel and tell stories because it builds and feeds the imagination of all that listen and want to be engaged. And D and D just does it right. I mean, D and D is not the only role playing game. I want to get that out there. There's a lot of good role playing games. Right. Oh, um, for sure. But D and D just has a better marketing team. Since you brought yeah. that up, you're creating something, uh, creating a game. All yes. I, if I understand correctly, it's com- it uses similar mechanics to Five E, but it's a, just a different flavor to it. Can you elaborate on that? Yes. So we have a Kickstarter currently that runs until July 29th. For Capes and Crooks, a 5e superhero RPG. Um, as a, I mean, I've got, I've, I've written well over 20 products. I think we have now, and so mm-hmm. I've learned the system very, very thoroughly because of the amount of research that goes into making sure I build something right. <laughs> and right, so, I'm with that, you also learn the shortcomings of the system. And as any dungeon master worth their salt will say, I think I can do that better. So I tried. Um, I wanted a superhero game. I love superheroes. I grew up on comic books. Um, and I thought, what really is the difference between a barbarian and the Hulk? And you know what the answer is? Nothing. Little. Yeah, nothing. (laughs) So, you know, I brainstormed for a while. I was talking to the guys over chat and stuff and I decided what is the biggest weakness of 5e that prevents it from succeeding as a superhero game? That's the subclass system. So we did away with the subclass system and replaced it with an a la carte type design. So you still pick Mm -hmm. your class or your superhero role, which in this case we'll say the Brute since we talked about it already with the Hulk. The Brute gives you a lot. Some of the features are right from the Barbarian, like half damage and raging and stuff like that. But you could just Mm -hmm. as easily now say, okay, I don't have a subclass anymore. Instead, I pick... Uh, at-will power, superpowers, right? So this power, I want to be a telekinetic brute. I don't want to be like the Hulk. I want to be something different, like Jean Grey maybe. So you pick up some telekinesis powers and instantly you just say, well, my, my ultimate defense is created by my psionic powers instead of by my big muscles. Or maybe Austin picks yep. up uh, the air launch and a couple of the more brutish powers. And it picks the same class, but they play entirely different. I'm telekinetically tossing enemies around and reading minds, and he's choking bitches, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> and so I have, I lucky enough, once again, I have awesome players. Austin was a, a player in the playtest and has helped come up yep. with some of the stuff. And we found that starting at level one, you can have numerous numbers of people pick the exact same role and have completely different characters. 
Uh, Would you actually like me to to sure. dive, divulge into that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. sure. So uh, it was actually like really cool because me and Ian, the other co-host, uh, we didn't plan this, by the way. We totally both chose the, the crime fighter role, which is your more like uh, – prob- probably the closest thing would be like Batman. <laughs> yeah, a very Batman-esque styled character. Um, but he went more of like the martial arts heavy route. But where I went more of the like telekinetic and more supernatural powers route. So while we both could do okay in like a hand-to-hand combat scenario, because that's event, that's what the crime fighter still specializes in. He, uh, he had more techniques to kind of get around his opponents to make them kind of do as Swarm. he wanted to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas I kind of just chose to just kind of almost brute force my way into the scenario. So like I had the ability to fly in, I had the ability to, to kind of do like these like small bits of AOE damage and I could just easily grapple somebody real quick and they can't run from me while they take all this tick damage. Whereas he would be able to like mitigate damage entirely or even counterattack in some cases. So he had more opportunities for higher damage. So it was this very interesting, like, Hmm. Because there's no subclass system, you kind of just like the class, like the the role, I guess, the crime fighter. It feels it feels like it just kind of adds like a primary thing your character can do, if that makes sense. But you can still build things off or towards it. Yeah, got it. So and it's really cool. And of course, when I was developing it, the last thing is in order to be super, every speedster knocks out twelve guys in the middle of a battle. Well, you're not going to be able to do that if you do normal 5e rules, so we implemented the cronies and henchmen. Cronies go down in one hit, henchmen go down in two hits, and when they succeed mm-hmm. on saves, they don't take damage. So um, we did a lot of the playing around with the mechanics for the subclasses and the monsters, but everything else is pretty much 5e, and so that means it's easy to learn. And if you already know 5e, you don't need to learn anything else. But instead of picking Shipping your in. subclass, you go pick a couple powers that you want. So mm-hmm. right. uh, it's That's been awesome. a blast. Yeah, yeah it was I'm, super I'm, fun. I, I hope that that takes off for you because it, it's something that a lot of people can, I think, more easily relate to. Mm-hmm. You've got your fantasy that D&D typically falls into. But then now you're, you're exposing people to what every kid kind of envisions when growing up reading comic books. I want to be yep. a superhero. So mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. And, and I Thank wish you. you the best luck with that. So I'll make sure that thank I you. put a link to the Kickstarter in the, in the link. So people oh, thank can you. Hop up on that. Thank you. Um, so I've, I've stolen a good chunk of time. Um, I'm going to ask <laughs> a couple of questions. Okay. Completely absurd usually. And you can either answer pass or whatever. So the first question, For would who? you rather have grilled cheese or Peanut butter and jelly every day. Peanut butter and jelly, hands down. Grilled cheese, I'm the opposite. <laughs> uh, I got to go peanut butter and jelly because at least you can change the flavors a little yep. bit. Cheese, I you can change the flavors, easy. but random yeah, jellies. Like and... you could have I don't have to cook peanut butter and jelly either, so I get more time yeah, to make I guess that's fair. To make. That's Quicker true. To make. I can get that. There's good arguments there. <laughs> uh, who, Which Justin would you rather be friends with, Timberlake or Bieber? Um... <laughs> I would go with Timberlake because he sings really good and he seems like a nice guy. The other one just seems like a prick. Uh, can I vote neither or do I have nope. to choose one? <laughs> nope, choose. Vi- neither is, is perfectly good uh, answer. Whatever. <laughs> oh, because you're a cop. I see, you used to be a cop. I see what you did there. I got to go. <laughs> I got to go with uh, with Timberlake for the, the same reasons you, you said. Uh, he just seems to be a generally more genuine, easygoing, fun guy. Plus, he knows Madonna. Yeah. And I need no. to know what her secret is to not aging. <laughs> Money. Ah, yeah, uh, I think that's the know, answer that's to fair. that. I, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. No, he's the right. last question, <laughs> would you rather live in an aerial tram for a month or a yurt for a year? A what? A yurt. What is a yurt? I don't it's like know. That it, is... It's kind of like a hut, but it's just it's a big round room with like almost like an oversized tent. What they was use the them other up thing? in like the uh, aerial tram, to, just the little tram cars that go up the mountains. Am I by myself? I'll leave that to your answer. Damn. 
Ah. Uh, I'm on like a little aerial <laughs> tram. That's like so small. Can't fit anything there. Wait, can can you get out of it? No, you got to stay in it. Oh, I'm taking the tram then. At least there's a breeze. <laughs> I was gonna say at least there's right a up. view. <laughs> yeah, right. That too. A view and breeze, man. I would yeah. go with the yurt for the year, just because it's more getting back to the roots of civility or or lack of civility, maybe. Yeah, um, I can see that. My wife likes to camp, and we've learned to build houses and beds. I don't need to sleep in the dirt anymore. I'm good. <laughs> Thanks for the offer. Yeah, but well, it's it's elevated tramps. off the ground. They're usually off the ground a little bit, so That's, like, like two yeah. inches. <laughs> so, what else would you guys like to plug before we uh, cut it loose? Austin, you got anything? Uh, maybe the show. Uh, follow us at Critic Academy. If you don't, uh, I'll personally come to your house and kill you. <laughs> just kidding I hope I'm kidding I, I kind of got it I'm glad he said it <laughs> uh, alright uh, Justin uh, looked at all, he's like oh my god this bastard just, just said this out loud but yeah and, and Mike used to be a cop and I'm pretty sure that's probably a, a felony of some sort anyway at least a misdemeanor uh, alright so uh I'm Justin Hanlon. I am the host of the Crit Academy podcast. We talk D&D every week at 7 p.m. Eastern. We have a plethora of content for you to bring with you on your next adventure. Our Kickstarter right now is live for Capes and Crooks, a 5e superhero RPG. It does have a full playtest available, so you can head on over. Um, at, you can find a link. Uh, Mike said he'll have it uh, for you in the show notes. You can also head at CritAcademy.com slash uh, Capes and Crooks or just Crit Academy and find it. Um, at le- at consider checking it out. I promise you will have a lot of fun. Comes with some pre-gens. It comes with a short adventure. Um, and if you like it, consider backing it and helping bring it really to life where I'll actually have money to make it look nice and actually <laughs> fill it out instead of, you know, me writing in between breaks. <laughs> so this is why I leave it to him. <laughs> well rehearsed. <laughs> Truth. Gentlemen, I appreciate your time. Um, oh, no, it was a blast. I, I'm yeah. glad you guys had fun, and with that note, I will uh, let you guys go. All right. Have a good cool. one. Cool. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Adding Context. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or visit us at addingcontext.com. You can also support our show via Patreon. Send us feedback and show ideas to podcast at addingcontext.com.